as a society, we haven't decided what we want from education. Mm. And that goes back to philosophies too. I mean, do we believe that education is a training system so that we can create new generations of workers coming through all the time? Is our education system designed to produce units of workforce? Or is it designed to enable people to develop themselves and to discover what they think is important in society and in their own lives? And so learn through that lens. Wow, it's a big question. It is, it is, but it's, I think it's one that we don't confront. This is Three People in Your Head podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others co-hosted by john fleming and myself matt taylor in this episode we speak with trudy newton who is a teaching and supervising transactional analyst in the educational field trudy is also an author and an educational consultant and she shares with us her experience of using ta in education Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Trudy. It's great to have you. What we might do is get you to uh, start off by just introducing yourself, who you are, where you come from, what your involvement in the TA community has been. Okay, well, my name is Trudy Newton, and I first came across TA a long time ago in the early 80s when I read, I'm okay, you're okay. And I was so impressed with that because it made such a lot of sense of a lot of the things that I thought of and been aware of, but didn't really understand why they were important. And it just made sense of so many of the relationships in my life and so much of the stuff that I hadn't understood that I decided to take it further. And I actually started a group with another friend who'd also read I'm Okay, You're Okay. And we started the kind of discussion self-help group. And all that we did was talk about the ideas that we got from reading the book and uh, sort of check out with each other It's funny looking back, really, because it was very, very lively and very interesting. We were all very keen on doing this, and I guess it made a lot of difference to everybody in the group. There were about, I don't know, eight or nine of us, all women, and that was my kind of platform, really, because I decided to get more involved in TA, and I went on to get some training. I first started training in a psychotherapy training group because that was all there was really. This is back in the 80s and there was only training in the psychotherapy field. But eventually I discovered that you could qualify in educational applications of TA. And that's what I was really interested in because I was I was doing a lot of adult education work at the time and I just felt that was a better platform for me. So I eventually got qualified as an educational certified transactional analyst. And I was the first one in the UK at that time because the European qualification system had recently changed so that you could qualify in different fields. So I was the first educational person to qualify in the UK. Oh, wow. As a result of that, I became quite popular with people working in education who liked TA but didn't know how to take it any further. So that was my beginning. Very good. It's interesting, you know, how you started off in psychotherapy training. I think probably many people who start off in learning about TA come at it from that angle. It seems to be much more prevalent than educational and organizational applications. Do you think that's still true today? 
I think it is still true. And I think there's still just a, a little hint of, of the older attitude that if you qualified in psychotherapy, then you could do anything with TA. And I think over the last 20 years or so, educational people and organizational people too have done a lot of work to make it clear that you're actually looking at a very different qualification here and to specialize in working in organizations or working in the education field, you do need to actually study how TA can be applied in those fields and that there is writing and different models that explain that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not a question of okay, you're a TA psychotherapist, you can go into an organization and sort them out. You need to know organizational theory. You need to know how TA compares with other approaches to working in organizations and the same with education. And I think also the focus is very different. Do you want me to say a bit about that now? or do you want to Yeah, that? continue yeah. on. Like everything in TA, it kind of goes back to the contract. And in the education field, what we aim to do is to work with the whole system, like the whole culture of a school, rather than focus the work on something that's been identified as a problem, maybe a child or a particular group of children, and think that they are the problem. Mm. Whereas the problem really resides in the communication within the school, within the education system. And we need to work with that, not simply remedially work with kids who are having problems. Okay, that's very interesting. So it's like a, a holistic approach. Absolutely. It's a holistic approach. I'm taking schools as an example because it's the simplest because you can kind of imagine a, a school as a unit. If it's possible to work with the management and the staff and work with classes too, then you can actually enable people to move towards changing the school culture so that it's more respectful or more supportive or whatever it is, whatever some of the kids who are exhibiting problems, they're like the canary in the mine. They're signaling that something isn't right here. Okay. So if you look at the big picture and say, what, what is it that's enabling this to happen rather than healthy education to happen? And I know that can sound a bit sort of Pollyanna-ish, and I know there are all sorts of things that schools and teachers have to contend with. But nevertheless, there are possibilities of, of working with the staff as well as with the kids and creating a new atmosphere. That's really interesting because I'm just thinking back now to what Byrne would have talked about with the splinter and how a transactional analyst is, mm. is looking for the splinter so they don't get too preoccupied with the mm. symptoms and they're really looking for the root cause and they're looking to uh, facilitate a, a cure. So if you shift TA to an application and educational field based off what you've just said there, Trudy, it's the same principle. Again, it's about saying, okay, there might be behavior problems in students or there might be this going on, but they're all symptoms. So yeah, when you exactly. apply TA in education, you're not getting preoccupied by the symptoms. You're looking for what's the underlying reason this is happening. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And of course it can, you can extend that further because sometimes the schools are symptoms as well of mm. what's not right or not fair or just in society okay. on a broader so basis it's it's not it's not the total answer to work with the school but it can be an indication and of course it's always worthwhile doing because if you can enable a small piece to change it's like fractals you can enable the larger pattern to change as well Trudy, you said schools are the easiest example what other areas would you use educational ta 
Oh, okay. And schools. Yes, uh, yeah, certainly not just about schools. I mean, I came in through adult education. Yeah. I, I was writing education courses for a diocese of the Church of England, and I was also working in community development and community education. It sounds quaint, doesn't it? That's <laughs> So I was working in those areas, mainly in informal adult education, yeah. and that was my real interest, and, and that's why I have written a lot of the things that I've written about different philosophies of education, because I was mm. looking at it from the point of view of a continuing education, like yes. learning and so forth. So there's that whole area, yeah. um, but also you can look at a school as a unit. However, the whole education field extends right from parent education, early years, through the school system, into tertiary education and informal education among adults as well. So one of the things I've been writing about recently is the changing culture in universities, kind of sense of entitlement which has grown up as a result of the fact that university courses are now packaged and sold as if university education was a business. Yes. yes. And this is not a dramatization. This is actually government policy. Yes. Universities are scored on a whole list of criteria, which includes things like dropout rate and the kind of jobs that graduates get on leaving the university. So they're kind of graded in a way that's much more suitable to business than to adult education. Right. Yeah. So I've been looking at how that's happened. And the reason I was thinking about this was I think it can even filter into the TA qualification system. Yes. You know that Agreed. you say, well, I've done my hours. Why can't I have my CTA? Yeah, right. Uh, whereas yeah. that's not what it's about. It's about how you are as a practitioner and how you interact with people and mm. how you actually enable people to grow. Yeah. How your interventions enable people to grow and change at their own rate and as a result of their own decisions. It's not about you know, how successful people are or how many boxes you can tick. Yeah. So that's where I was coming at. Yeah. Because I think there's a growing sense of entitlement in education. And yeah. I think it filters down into the school system. And, you know, parents are saying, well, why hasn't my child got five starred A levels or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Where the student is like a customer now rather than. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's very interesting, Trudy, because I suppose from the outside, TA could look very much like it's just a psychotherapeutic modality. But everything that you're saying here is also really highlighting how TA is a social psychology and that you're looking at the societal impact and the social impact just as much as the psychological. Can you talk a little bit about what makes TEA unique in that respect? Yeah, that's something that I, I am very enthusiastic about, actually. Uh, perhaps enthusiastic isn't the right word. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I find most convincing about TA is that it actually starts from a philosophy of okayness, that people in themselves are okay. They may yeah. do things that are not okay, but the intrinsic okayness is just there. We, we yeah. don't condemn people. We look at how their history or their beliefs or whatever led to their actions, but we hold everybody as okay. And so the whole system of TA, all the models and the theories, can be traced back to that original philosophy. Yeah. Uh, like you, know, you trace something back from a, a branch of a tree back to the trunk. That, that trunk is that humanistic belief that people 
are okay in themselves, that they can think for themselves, that they can decide what changes they want to make. And you can connect everything in TA to that. And if you can't, it's not TA. Yeah, great. That's why I think it's important that we don't just treat TA as another modality. It's almost like a, a critique or a modality of modalities because you can look at other approaches from the point of view of, do they actually do this? Do they do the same thing? Mm. Holding a positive philosophy, which then connects with all the, it's like the TA tree that the roots are from uh, all the writings of Byrne and before him, Federn and Freud and other people. And you, you have that solid trunk of the philosophy and beliefs, and then the outgrowths of that into the, the leaves and the fruits of the tree are all the things that we work with. Mm, great illustration. Can you just clarify what you mean by modalities for our listeners who may not be familiar? Okay, it's a word that we kind of throw around. It means different approaches. Yeah. Like if we're talking about psychology, you can look at a behaviorist approach. Yeah. You can look at the humanistic approach, which we've been talking about, of, which is really about promoting people's well-being and, and wholeness in themselves. Yeah. Mm. And there's different ways that you can do that. TA is one. Gestalt psychology, for instance, would be another. Um, yeah. Family systems psychology. So there are these like little boxes, and many people work not within one box, but across several boxes. Yeah. So when you're looking at uh, this humanistic approach or modality then, Trudy, what is its contribution to education, you know, from, from a higher level? Why does education need a psychosocial modality to contribute? Because I'm sure educators might say, well, you know, there's lots of educational philosophy out there and, and academic research into education. What does TA have to contribute to education as a whole? I think one of the main things about TA is that it's practical. Okay. It's like a practical psychology of learning. Mm. So you can take a situation in a classroom and you can observe it and say, oh, okay, so what might be going on here is that, you know, this teacher is coming from a very strong parent ego state and not enabling the kids to develop their own thinking. So you yeah. can use simple models to analyze something that's going on in a classroom or, or in a group of kids or whatever. Mm. So I think that's one way that it helps. I also think that as a society, we haven't decided what we want from education. Mm. And that goes back to philosophies too. I mean, do we believe that education is a training system so that we can create new generations of workers coming through all the time? And by workers, I don't simply mean people working at a manual level, but you know, people working themselves in education and in universities and so forth. Is our education system designed to produce units of workforce or is it designed to enable people to develop themselves and to discover what they think is important in society and in their own lives and so learn through that lens? Wow, yeah. it's a big question. It is, it is, but it's, I think it's one that we don't confront. Yeah, yes. You know, yeah. okay, we simply do not want to look at it. Mm. And what's your thoughts on it? Okay. Um, what I like to do is to work with groups of people so that it's not me telling them what yeah. to do, but my job is to enable them to find out for themselves what it's important for them to do. Right. And I have seen that work in all sorts of situations. And I'm thinking in particular at the moment of a, a school in the north of England where 
I'll give you a very brief summary of this story. It's a much longer story. They got a bad Ofsted report. Yeah. And the reasons for the bad Ofsted report were basically that they weren't doing what I was talking about a few minutes ago of kind of this commodification of education. And the staff had the courage to say, well, actually, we don't want to do that. We really believe in the progressive model, which is another kind of education philosophy. We really believe in the way that we've been doing things. So we want to improve what we've been doing from the same philosophy rather than change the philosophy. Right. And they are now the most amazing school. Really? And there is a real congruence between the way that school works at all the different levels, from the head, the management group, all the other staff, the associate and support staff, and the pupils. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but they really do look at what's happening rather than say, okay, we've got to do this, or that's the problem, so that's the solution. They Mm. really do try to look at where things are not working and how they can change it. It can be done. I'm not sure whether that answers the question you asked me. Yeah. Whereas previously they were mixed in terms of what they were trying to achieve or what? Yeah. And, and there were sort of conflicts within the school because people didn't know what they were aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. Through right. talking about it together, yeah. that they actually arrived at some kind of picture of where they wanted to get to. They'd asked a TA consultant to work with them. And it's been really, really effective. One of the things that I'm reflecting on now is that there seems to be a big focus on group work in TA, you know, because an awful lot of what you've said, Trudy, has been about we discussed it or a group came together or they discussed it. And oftentimes in education, it can be end up being quite individualistic, which is true, I think, too often of therapy modalities. And I know from a therapeutic perspective in TA, there's always been a very big focus on group work. Do you think that's another major factor in in the contribution that TA has to education? I think it has been. I do think it has been. And I've seen some of the big names work with groups. And it is just amazing how TA can enable people to change things in a group. But I don't think it happens so much now. Group work is supposed to be part of TA psychotherapy, but... It's kind of an add-on now. Yeah. Most people think in terms of working one-to-one or at the most working with couples. Mm. And I think that's quite a, a lack, really, because you can see so much in a group of the effects that people have on each other. And do you think the same thing happens in schools as well, or even in universities where educators, be it the school teachers or lecturers, end up very siloed and working on their own and not in conjunction and collaboration with groups? Yeah, I I think that's true. And I think it's partly a question of personalities that, Mm. you know, for me, group work is a norm and I'm I'm really happy working that way. But for some people, it's a real struggle. If people are, I don't know if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs model, you know, the idea of being an I or an E, being internally focused or being exteriorly focused. Yeah. And I think for people who are focused internally, it's not always so easy to adopt this group approach. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. You're also involved in coaching. What does that involve with TA and that approach? The reason that I got involved in the coaching world, that I was asked to design some training for people to become supervisors of coaches. Yeah. Um, Because as coaching was growing, 
sort of, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe, it became apparent to some people that if it was going to be like alongside counselling and therapy, there needed to be some sort of oversight. Yeah. Like professional accountability needed to be built in. Yeah. So some coach training programs wanted to add supervision to the portfolio that they were offering their students. And so I was asked to design some training for people to become supervisors of coaches. I had a really good time doing that. And I designed the first coach supervisor program in the UK that got approval from the ICF, the International Coach Federation, right? and ran that for several years. So my connection with coaching really is, is through supervision. Through supervision. And it's interesting, Trudy, because coaching has never, or well, not currently or in the past, has been a field of application in TA in terms of being able to qualify. Do you think that is something that's a gap in TA or do you think that mm. in TA... No, I, I don't approach? actually. Okay. I don't think it's a gap. We have had this discussion several times in the European Association, for instance, whether coaching yeah. should be made a separate field. But the conclusion that's generally arrived at is that coaching in itself is a skill set. Yes. It's a way of working that people can apply in any of the TA fields. Yes. Obviously, in organisations, it's a big part of the yes. organisational field. Also mm. in education, there's lots of coaching goes on in the education world. But also the ability to coach is another tool in the toolbox. Yes. And how would you define that? Again, for listeners who aren't aware of the different nuances that we're talking about, how would you define coach as opposed to therapist or educator? Okay, that's a good question. I think of coaching, this is my personal take, I think of coaching as a way of expanding the adult ego state mm. so that somebody working with a coach they can actually access their own thinking and right, therefore their own ability to change or develop in a different direction. So you're facilitating their ability to think for themselves and make yeah. their own decisions. Yeah. In the here and now. Yeah. And I think the difference, I mean, you could also say that that applies to the counselling field. Yeah. And I think the difference with the counselling field is that people have often gone into a counselling relationship because they feel they have a problem of some kind. Whereas in coaching, it can just be that somebody's wanting to work differently within their organization or they've been offered coaching in order to develop their competence in a new job or whatever it is. So there's not necessarily a problem. Yeah. Okay. It's about developing somebody's capacity. But then that's why I say I think it's large, you know, probably entirely, about expanding the adult. Right. So that makes sense then that there probably isn't a need for a transactional analysis to offer a qualification in coaching. I think it's great that people train as coaches and use TA in their coaching work. Yeah. Yes. But I do think that if we had a separate field of coaching, people would probably need to do two qualifications. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because qualifying as a coach doesn't necessarily fit you to work in the education field or the organization. It depends what your context is. So it's better to actually train as a coach somewhere else and then apply what you've learned alongside TA in whatever field you work in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Very good. One of the things I suppose that we've been mindful when doing this podcast, Trudy, and one of our purposes, we've been very kind of honest and frank with our listeners is that TA isn't extremely well known, you know, 
for us in the TA community, of course, it seems like, you know, how could you possibly not know what TA is or heard about it? But for an awful lot of people, they've never heard of TA before. And even listening to this podcast might be the first time they've come across it. Why do you think that is? Why is it, do you think, that TA isn't as well known as other modalities like CBT? Um, terribly bad at promoting ourselves. Hmm. I think there's several reasons for this. I think one is that TA had a not very good reputation some years ago as being a, a pop psychology. Yeah. Like it's too easy, it's too facile, it can't possibly work, or it can't, it can't work for very long. Right. It's a, a kind of ironic, really, because the very thing that for Byrne was most important, like using accessible language, yeah. it then became a barrier because people thought it wasn't serious enough. And I, I don't think we've quite got over that in, yeah. in popular conception people think that ta is not a serious a serious way of working um, <laughs> but i don't think we do enough to actually demonstrate that it is like we don't do enough research yeah proper research you know evidence-based research you'll be able to talk to mark about this next time but <laughs> there's very little because i i trained as a scientist originally my degree was in zoology and such a lot of what is called research now it's not really it's review mm, right and i think that's one of our faults that we don't actually demonstrate how effective we are yeah yeah and so in terms of coaching and education what kind of research what kind of evidence do you think needs to be shown what research could be done in order to show how effective ta is Hmm, good question. I think there's several different answers, so I'll just select a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things which I would really like to see some research about, and I keep encouraging people to do this, but nobody's picked it up so far, is about supervision. Because as somebody who's been mainly involved in the coaching world from the perspective of supervision, I've seen how effective it is at improving people's practice and making them, oh, just taking a a wider approach and all kinds of things that happen as a result of the supervision relationship. Right. And lots of people who do the training to become coach supervisors say that their coaching has improved enormously because focus in supervision is on understanding why things happen, not just that they happen. Yeah. And that has made a lot of difference to their coaching. Right. So I think that's one area that I'd really like to see some research in. Yeah. But if you look at education in the sort of, you know, the normal concept of education as, as mainly sort of focusing on schools, I think there's one area is you can actually see the effects of teaching TA to teachers. Yeah. Of sharing some TA ideas with teachers. Have you got any contextual examples of that you could share with the listeners, Judy? Yeah. I have. yeah. From my own experience, one of the things that's really effective is using the cycles of development model. Mm. And what's that model? It comes originally from a psychotherapy model from Pam Levine, but it was turned into a model for parenting by Jean Ilsley Clark. Yeah. And she worked on it from the point of view of not what's gone wrong with the parenting, but what do you need to do as a parent in order for it to go right? Right. And using the model of the different stages that we all go through as we grow up, yeah. And what we need in those stages, like the needs of a seven-year-old are very different from the needs of a seven-month-old. Yeah, so yes. if you actually look practically at what growing little people need in those stages, you can also see what parents need to do in order to provide that. 
Yeah. Uh, so you look at the developmental needs of each stage, like acquiring language might be an example, and how that can be promoted in a positive way. Yeah. So that model can then be applied in a school, for instance, yeah. by a teacher understanding that not all the kids in her class are going to be at the same stage on that chronology. Yes. Because some of them might not have been encouraged to experiment and learn and do things for themselves when they were three years old or whatever. So they freeze when they're asked to do something. Right. So they might need encouragement not as a five-year-old, but as a three-year-old. Is this making sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's one example where I've really seen that work in schools and early years work. And you feel like research or some evidence is needed to show how effective that is. Yeah. Yeah. But to Mm. actually transfer that to another context, there are colleagues, TA colleagues in Italy who are doing that kind of research. For instance, they're using uh, the driver's model in teaching mathematics. Mm. It's fascinating stuff. They get the kids to do drawings and to write something. And from that, these are all psychology students, obviously. And mm. from that, they can perceive what it is that's preventing that child from growing in their mathematics learning. So they can work with the teachers about what kind of support that child needs. They have got some very positive results. Very good. There is research going on. Yeah. Uh, but we don't make it our base somehow. Which I think yeah. Because whenever anybody qualifies in TA, you know, when they do their first exam, they have done a solid piece of research. Yes. Because ah. in writing their case study, they've looked at what was the input and what was the result. Mm. You know, going through the whole scientific process of hypothesizing and experimenting and so forth. I mean, those are not the words that psychotherapists or anybody else uses in writing their case study, but that is what lies behind it. Yeah, so it's just about how we get that published in the right format and uh, present it to the world. So Trudy, if you were to signpost people as an introduction to TA, what sort of texts would you be suggesting? People who might be listening, who might have an interest in education or an interest in coaching, what would be the first place you'd tell them to go and what book would it be? If you want to learn some straightforward TA theory and everyday applications of it, I think that Julie Hayes, Working It Out at Work, is still the best book. Mm. Right. Because it presents all the main TA models in a very straightforward way, and all the examples are from the kind of work situations that anybody could encounter. I still recommend that as a basic textbook. If you're actually involved in the teaching world, then I would give myself a puff here and suggest that you try Tactics, which is also a very practical book. Who wrote that? With Rosemary Napper. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's great text. I found that like hugely inspiring and useful in my own work. Good. I'm very glad. (laughs) That again presents the concepts in a pretty straightforward way. It it starts every chapter or every section with some questions to the reader about, you know, what have you felt like in this situation? And then goes on from there to relate that to some TA theory. And then there's lots of practical suggestions about how you can use it in your teaching life. But people do read it just as a TA book because they find it a straightforward explanation. Mm, That's great. So one of those two would be where I would start from. And then, of course, if you look at one of those, you'll find all sorts of references to to other texts. Great. 
when you first started, you became aware of TA. You said you got a group together of nine women to talk about it. So who was this group and how did you know each other and how did that work? Okay, it was very straightforward. I mean, the friend that I shared this with, I lent her my copy of I'm Okay, You're Okay, and she rang up three days later and said, why didn't we know any of this before? And that Christmas, we each bought six copies and gave it to people in our own community. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And out of that, we started this group. Brilliant. You bought six so copies each. Who live in the same, well, in, either in the same village or a nearby village to where I live. Good. So yeah. your village was swamped with okayness. Yeah. And, and some people of... say it still is, and why doesn't she shut up about it? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's a great idea. That's a great thing to do. Yeah, it was amazing, really. I mean, I would, oh, no, there's one little bit that I forgot. I mean, what I haven't mentioned in this is that my husband, now retired, David, was a vicar. Yeah. So I had the ability to actually get groups of people together and then say, how about this? So one Lent, instead of doing a regular Lent course of Bible study and so forth, we had a TA introductory course. Oh, very good. And I got a guy who was a friend of ours who was working in training in social services. He'd done quite a lot of TA and he came along and did these sessions for us on okayness and parent-adult-child and games and drama triangle and what have you. So that was like the first thing. Uh, so that contributed to starting the group as well. Brilliant. So then that's really why I was able to do it within a community because I had lots of contacts. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't hard. In fact, I talked about the group of, I think it was nine. I really can't remember exactly how many we were. It's such a long time ago. But there was this first group and then other people started to say, well, I'd like to be in a group as well. So I, I think I started three more groups. Oh, wow. Brilliant. And one was a men's group. And I said, well, I'll get Peter. That's the guy who did the original input for us. I'll get Peter to come. And they said, no, we know you. We'd rather have a woman we know than a man we don't know. <laughs> so I actually ran a men's group for a while. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. Uh, there it is coming back to groups again. It's yeah, like, exactly. Every time you talk about TAE, you're not long talking about it when you start talking about group work. You know, some people are not aware of that, so I'm really glad. Yeah, I think the more and more I study, the more I'm like, I want to be in groups all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's something about it that the feedback you get from other people, um, it's so valuable, you know, and you're constantly in relationship uh, with different people. And that's what it's about. That's what being a human being is about, relationship. And we, we really need to account for that. In fact, I've just got a little example. I've recently become one of the editors of TAJ, which is great. I'm really pleased to be doing that because I haven't talked about writing very much during this, but I mean, writing is what I do now, really, yeah. writing and supervision. So you know, I'm really enjoying being part of promoting writing within the TA world. Yeah. What I'm missing is this group of editors, which is six altogether with the various different titles that we give ourselves. Um, they don't meet. Not even no. on the phone. And, I, you know, we write emails, endless emails every day. Yeah. But I'm saying, can we please put some meetings in? Yeah, yeah. I want to see you all. And, you yeah. know, I want to have our interactions, not yeah, just connect. Not what we've just considered saying in response to an email, but to actually have that instant reaction. Yes. So there. it will happen eventually. But to me, it's really interesting that they haven't done that already. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. 
And I think that it's interesting as well. I, I've just looked up that other website, Trudy. It's the Educational TA Network, yeah. educational-ta.net. And it's just even interesting that you've called that a network, you know, because a yes. network is a network yeah. of people rather than an organization. So yeah. it peaks up everywhere in yeah. TA. I mean, the thing about the Educational uh, TA website is it takes a lot of work and input to keep mm. a website going. Yes. However, I did get an email from a guy in Japan saying that he's a retired something or other and he's now doing some voluntary teaching and saying, oh, it's wonderful that there is this group of people who do TA in schools. So yeah. that was nice. Oh, right. great. Well, Thanks so much, Judy, for coming on and sharing your work and passion for educational TA. Yes, and it's good you. to hear as well about how it's uh, affecting coaching in such a positive way, you know, that uh, TA is contributing to another diverse and important profession as well. So really, really interesting stuff. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank pleasure. you. Yeah, no, it's really been a great pleasure. pleasure. Really stimulating to talk with you. So yeah. thanks for the opportunity. Thank Wonderful. As always, if you found anything in today's episode interesting, please feel free to reach out. You can visit our website, which has lots of information and TA resources, at transactionalanalysispodcast.com. You can connect with us on all major platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at threepeopleinyourhead at gmail.com using the number three rather than the word. If you aren't already, please follow us on Apple Podcast and Spotify, and we'd be really grateful if you could leave a review. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.